Hey, Lizards, Gizmo here. I wanted to share some of the cigars we'll be smoking in May and June, so you can smoke along with us if you'd like. For Cubans, we've got Hoyo de Monterey Double Coronas, Partagas Aliados, H. Upman Half Coronas, and Monte Cristo Open Eagle. And for New Worlds, we've got Davidoff, Winston Churchill, and Bellicoso, Diamond Crown, Julius Caesar, TAA Shark, 2023, Liga Pravada, T52 in Corona Viva, and Davidoff, Late Hour in Robusto, with much, much more to come. Have a suggestion? Email us. Hello at loungelizardspod.com. That's hello at loungelizardspod.com. Our podcast is supported by the Fabrica Five Cigar Company. Straight from the Honduran factory to your hands, the company was built by Rob Isla of Friends of El Habano and Bon Roberts fame and Cuban master blender Hamlet Peretti's. The entire cigar line is blended by Rob and Hamlet and is refined with feedback from a hand-selected tasting panel, the Friends of El Habano Forum, and smokers like you. You can even jump on the FOH Forum right now and post reviews and comments. And you might even hear from Rob or Hamlet when you do. Rob has opened the discount floodgates and now exclusive to Lizard listeners, Fabrica 5 is offering 10% off the entire store. That's all five packs, all 25 count bundles, all 50 count bundles using promo code LIZARDPOD at Fabrica005.com. That's code LIZARDPOD, one word. Plus, worldwide free shipping from Miami on all orders over $125 US. Again, use code LIZARDPOD for 10% off the entire Fabrica 5 store right now. That's Fabrica005.com. Fabrica005.com. You must be 21 years of age or older to order. Fabrica 5. No boxes, no bands, no bullshit. And now, let's get into the episode. Welcome to a very special episode of the Lounge Lizards podcast, recorded live in Havana, Cuba. It's so good to have you here. It's a leisure and lifestyle podcast, founded on our love of premium cigars, as well as whiskey, travel, food, work, and whatever else we feel like getting into. My name is Gizmo. Tonight, I'm joined by Rooster, Senator, and Bam Bam, and our plan is to smoke a cigar with a very special guest, talk about life, and of course, have some laughs. So take this as your 121st official invitation to join us and become a card-carrying lounge lizard. Planet Meet is here once a week. We welcome our friend Danilo Rodriguez Portal, the production manager of Cohiba and Havana's Eleguito Tobacco Factory, for a sit-down interview to discuss his history and passion for cigars, his procurement process for tobacco, and his approach to production and quality control for cigars made at Eleguito, all among a variety of other things for the next two hours. So sit back, get your favorite drink, light up a cigar, and enjoy as we smoke a two-year-age Cohiba Bihike 54 in Havana, Cuba. A special treat tonight, live from Cuba, with our friend Danilo Rodriguez. The Bihike 54. It's a 54 ring gauge cigar, of course, by five and five eighths inches. What an honor to have you sitting here with us tonight. It's a pleasure, it's all mine. So we have, for the first time, a Bihike in our hands on the podcast. We have not done this yet. And uh, it's coming right out of your humidor tonight. Rolled at El Liguito with no bands on it. With two years of age. With two years of age. So this is very, very special. So... Thank you first for being here, and of course, thank you for sharing these amazing cigars with us. First, it's a real pleasure having, uh, having you guys to tonight, and also, of course, uh, thank you for the opportunity to be part of this wonderful job you're doing. We're so happy to be here. Well, let's cut this thing, boys. See, we're getting on the cold draw on the wrapper. So I noticed you did a V-cut on yours. Yes, I usually uh, use V-cut for all kinds of cigar, even figurado ones. Really? The cut is more a uh, personal preference, but in my opinion, 
the cut, the V cut is really useful when we are talking about a big ring gauge cigar. Why cigars? Usually, if you make a straight cut, can be a little difficult in order to smoke them. Medium and bigger ring gauge, once you make the V cut, the cigar keep the shape of the head. So it's still being comfortable. Also, mm -hmm. the cut is a little deeper. So the surface of contact is bigger too. So you, it's a way to put it. You are, uh, in one way, you are more in touch with your cigar. In my opinion, the flavor is even. Uh, so even on a smaller ring gauge, you prefer a V cut? Even for a smaller, yes. And pyramids, torpedoes. Particularly in pyramids. Right. Wow. And figurados as well, you said. Yes. Wow. You know, I rarely do a V-cup, but I'll try it more often. I just feel like sometimes I'm taking too much. Me too. Too much out. Oh, yeah. Man, I don't even own a V-cut, V-cutter. <laughs> so we'll we, got, we got to get you one. Definitely get one. <laughs> yeah. All right, boys, let's light this thing. The Bahike 54 from Cuba. Again, it's a 54 ring gauge cigar by five and five eighths inches long. This is quite the cigar. Yeah. Quite the cigar. So I had this like when it first was introduced about maybe nine, 10 years ago with Bam Bam. Yep. And it was delicious. It was. Del absolutely delicious. Smoke. That was, was aged, smoke. wasn't it though? Had some age on no, it. it had, a friend of mine was here from Canada and he had brought right. some back. It was outstanding. He gave me like seven. The, the real challenge for Baike is try to keep those standard of quality. Ah. We have to be really careful about it. The expectations for our customers are really high. When we are talking about the IK, the standard of quality has to be only the best of the best. Mm -hmm. No other way around. You cannot negotiate with quality. Because first, we are talking about a really important brand for Havana's world, for cigar world. And of course, also, Beike got a huge limitation for production is the availability of medio tiempo leaf. Without medio tiempo, it's impossible to make a Beike 54 or any kind of Beike. So the amount of cigar we are able to produce in one year depends directly mm. from this particular kind of leaf. So is that what has changed that medio tiempo is not as available? But why, why is that? I think the big problem is not just about Medio Tiempo. Wrapper is important too. And of course, you need a combination of perfect leaf. We are talking about wrapper, binder, seco, which provide smell, flavor, volado, which provide speed of combustion, ligero, which provides strength. So every kind of leaf has to be necessarily the best of the best. No other way around. Mm -hmm. Typically with the Bejiques, Roughly how much of the leaf inside is Medio Tiempo versus Seco, other, uh, a lot of the other types of leaves? Without being too specific, I know you probably can't, can't tell scientifically, but... One leaf. One leaf. One leaf. One leaf. Okay, well, wow. in each cigar. In each cigar. That's a surprise. So, boys, what are you getting on the light? Dried fruit. Yep. And pure Cuban twang. That salty finish I'm getting. And the draw is outstanding. I'm getting that classic kind of Cohiba, earthy thing. It's a little enriched, I think, probably by Medio Tiempo. Or, yeah. But it's incredibly smooth. I think yeah. the age is certainly helping with that. No fruit you know, at all. 
I'm getting a little fruit. I'm getting a lot of fruit. fruit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I definitely get some. Danilo, what are your flavor notes when you think about Bahike 54? When we think in a in a vape, we we use the factory way to to taste the cigar. So we are looking for very general uh, parameters in order to taste the cigars. First, uh, most important, draw. The worst problem you can find in any cigar is a draw problem. Second, of course, smell aroma is really important. Mm-hmm. Is the, the soul of the cigar speaking. So we have to be really, really careful about the smell. And we have to be really demanding about the quality control. So the smell, the aroma of the, of the cigar is really important. So this is one of the items, I think, we need to pay uh, attention. Flavor, of course. If the leaf doesn't have the right kind of uh, process of fermentation, you will find aggressive flavor. Pepper, spicy, we are not looking for that. Our final goal is try to produce a strong cigar, potent cigar, but at the same time, easy to smoke. So flavor is important because flavor is the reflex of the process of fermentation. If the the process is not good, of course, the flavor will be uh, messy, aggressive. Does every Bejique go through a draw machine? Every single cigar we made, all every single cigar we make in Laguito, necessarily have to pass the draw control machine. Has that always been the case? Uh, for Laguito, yes. The machines were introduced in two, 2001, I think. And of course, uh, from that very moment, as I said before, is unacceptable a draw problem in our cigar. So we have to make sure no customer receive a cigar with any kind of draw problem. So we have to make sure to check 100% of products. So we might have had some fake cigars because we had some Lanceros that had some draw issues. Once it's it's rare, but, you know, very rare with Cohibas, but more so with some other brands. He would like to file a complaint, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Lancero is... It's, uh, it's a really interesting cigar. First, is the most difficult cigar made under Coiba brand. We are talking about 192 millimeters length by uh, 38 ring gauge. Okay. You need long and thin leaf. And also, any tiny defect is instantaneously magnified because the way of this particular cigar works. So... Only the best of the best, only our best rollers are able to produce it. Is Media Tiempo leaf only in the Bejique? Only Has in the Bejique. Has it never gone into any other cigar? Yes. I thank God for that. So before we go too much farther, I mm-hmm. want to get into a little bit of the backstory yeah. about you. How did you end up in... You were uh, you're an attorney, correct? Mm-hmm. You were in the... Cuban military as an attorney, correct? Abogado. How did so? Tell us a little bit about your journey into adulthood, becoming an attorney, and how did you end up at Elegito? What you can call uh, a walking mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I studied in the military law school, and once I get the licentiation from the army, I start to work as a lawyer. In the and heard this in the Oncological Research Institute in Cuba. So, in that time, you know, 
you have to uh, get in contact with, of course, uh, patients all the time. And in that time, I was working also in the nights in a, in a bar. So I spent like two years almost sleeping two hours a day, uh, bartender in the night and, of course, lawyer uh, during the day. So imagine that crazy. So uh, by the end of uh, 2019, we heard a rumor about a virus in China who were making a lot of damage. And of course, I think uh, from myself, okay, this is a dangerous situation. And of course, in case of closure, quarantine, whatever, the, the business, you know, restaurants, theaters, that kind of business will suffer first and more. And one friend told me they were looking for a, a lawyer in a cigar factory. And I say, okay, it's a perfect opportunity to start to work with something I love. I have been a cigar smoker for 10 years now, but professionally speaking, I have been working in cigar business for four years. So in the beginning was an uh, opportunity to learn. I say to myself, okay, a couple of years working in a factory as a lawyer, learn a little bit about cigars. And once this virus th uh, thing passed, I can go on with my life. I never have been more wrong. The cigar world is simply magic, amazing. Once you get in, it's really difficult to get out. You simply fall in love. And I got the wonderful opportunity, the director in Corona, Mr. Osmar, the guy one day called me to his office and said me, okay, you are the weirdest lawyer I ever seen. <laughs> You're never in the office. What's the problem? Say, okay, sir, I, I want to learn about cigars, about production. And the guy said to me, okay, I will put you on test one month in one of the, of the workshop, if you are good enough, you stay as a boss of that particular workshop. If you don't, you have to go to the office. So we, we agree on that. And a month later, I was the chief of that particular department. And since that point ahead has been a wonderful journey. Wow. So how long now have you been the production manager at Aleguito at Cohiba? Two years and 20 days, I think. So can you walk us through a, a typical day for you at Aleguito, from the moment you arrive to the moment, the moment you head home? Okay, first we need to understand a cigar factory, as many business, is like a living being. Even though if you think about we don't use machines for produce cigars. We got the most valuable asset for productions is the skill of our rollers. So you have to be in touch with that particular uh, part of the production machine. So the first thing I think everybody has to do in, in a factory is go to see the workers the people who are really involved directly in production, fill the bid of the factory. After that, 
okay, you check your email, whatever, any uh, bureaucratic thing you have to do, paperwork, whatever. And after that, 9 a.m., we start with the tasting. Tasting is a really important part of the quality control because we randomly select cigars from production and we taste them. A cigar can uh, look like really good outside, be beautiful, but you need to taste them. That's the only way you can be 100% sure what you're making. So we are 11 tasters and we try two cigars every single day. Wow. Is there a blender also on that tasting panel? Mm, not necessarily because for for became taster, you have to pass several tests mm. in order to identify the kind of sensibility you got. The first test, for example, when the first time I made the test, we were under aspirants. Only 19 passed. Wow. So 19 out of 100 uh -huh. passed. Wow. That's a high fail rate. Yes. The first test is using water. They give you a tiny dissolution of salt, sugar, acid, uh, bitter, and of course water. They put you 10 glasses. You have to identify which is what. Mm. Believe me, it's harder than sounds. We should try that sometime. I'd on like the to do that. Yeah, we really should. We'll see if we, any, of, any of us pass. We need to do a competitive tasting among us. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. Salt is relatively easy. Sweet also. Acid and bitter. Mm, good luck with that. So it's different parts of your tongue that have receptors for different, uh, like saltiness, bitterness, sweetness. Yes, but also, and I can recommend this more because it's really important, train your brain, train yourself. Your sensibility, your tongue, okay, will uh, cap the, the flavor, but you have to train yourself in order to identify them. Mm. Like an instrument, a guitar. Anyone can grab a guitar, hold it, okay? But you need to learn to understand. Your brain, need, your brain needs to adapt. The position, the, the muscle strength, the ability, the coordination. It's basically the same thing. You have to train yourself in order to identify this flavor. And avoid spicy food. 12 to 10 days before the test, reduce the amount of salt in your food. So you got a fresh palate. How long did you prepare for this? I was really lucky. I got this... Uh, quality control specialist in Corona, the first factory where I, where I work, the guy basically adopted me. He, he saw the interest and said me, okay, you want to be taster? I will train you. And if we're a movie, we'll be like Karate Kick, you know, the, the old guy training the, the young one, pretty much the same. <laughs> Okay, that's the, the first test, the water. 
the highest rate of failure is in that particular test. Almost 50% of the aspirants fail the particular test. After that, they, when I say they, is the Research Institute of Tobacco, start to give us cigars with different blending. The first test is really easy because they give you one cigar using just Ligero, which is a crazy strong cigar light off constantly, so it's easy to identify. One cigar made only with volado leaf, of course, combustion, so it's a crazy fast combustion cigar, but no flavor at all. And one cigar made only with seco, which is balanced, so it's really easy to identify. The second test, the blending, they start to make them closer and closer. So by this five test, the fifth test is really difficult. So you have to start to pay attention to details. For example, before lighting the cigar, you have to pay attention to the front of your cigar. The different kind of leaf got different texture, different color. The leaf which provides strength is darker. So if you pay attention to your cigar on front, you can appreciate the strongest cigar generally got a higher concentration of darker leaf right in the center. So the proportion of Ligero is higher. Technically, that cigar is supposed to be stronger. So, tiny clues, but you have to pay attention to that. That's interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. So when you're when you're on the tasting panel and you're you're smoking a lot of the same cigars every day on this panel, right? You're trying different cigars from the factory that are coming out of production. So what raises a red flag for you? Let's say when you smoke a Bihike 54, what is, what is a recent or what's an example of something that's kind of been, whoa, something's wrong here? First, draw. Bad draw cigar, even if it's too much or not enough, you have to open it. So if you got one cigar with that kind of problem, you open the cigar and see what's the problem. Not enough leaf, too much the wrong position of the leaf, which can provide huge problems with draw. For example, once uh, we are talking about long filler cigars, so whole leaf, okay? So the roller has to put the leaf straight. If the leaf gets screwed, plug the draw. And that particular cigar is impossible to smoke. So that's a red flag. Once we identify a cigar, of course, the taste, and I, I, have to, I had to tell you this before, the taste, we made it without knowing which roller made the cigar. So it's a blind It's a blind you, test. So there's no uh, bias of any kind. Wow. But when you find a problem, like it's too loose to draw or it's, it's too resistant, the you're quality, able to track that to the roller yes, and the share the quality control feedback. specialist mm -hmm. gets a schedule of the numbers. Right. Ah, so, okay they know which roller made the cigar that I'm potentially smoking. So we track the roller, okay, and we make an extra, uh, a wider sample of his production. So next days, next day, we taste 10 cigars for that particular roller. Wow. wow. Okay. Wow. 
So the, heat, the heat is on when that happens. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the pressure is on. It's like you're, the interrogation light is right over his head. Nobody wants that kind of attention, but it's important. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I have a question regarding the role art. Do you provide continuous or ongoing training? Yes, of course. It's important. For quality purposes, but also from the point of view of the, te- the technicality of rolling a cigar to make sure it's consistent. Yes, and, of and course. what kind of tr- continued training would that be? For example, if we got rollers start to present problems, quality problems, we re- requalify them. So they have to pass uh, a course, uh, a training again. So uh, we check them by the end of the training if the guy improve or don't. For example, the the average age in our factory is really high. So yeah, we got... Because people have been there for a long time. Yes. Would you say the average age at Legido is highest among the factories? Yes. Makes we sense. are talking about some rollers in Legido have been working there for 30 years. That's wow. incredible. Wow. Even some rollers in Legido are rollers from third generation. Wow. The youngest one. Some of the youngest rollers we got have been rolled for three generations now. Do they start off at Laguido or do they come from La Corona? Uh, Can you we, get directly into Laguido as a We roller? have received rollers from other factories and we had some really good experience. But in general terms, we rather train our own rollers mm. in the factory. Got it. So after the tasting panel, what going on with the, the throughout your day. So you've done the tasting panel, you've made your comments and any corrections that need to be made. What, mm-hmm. What's next for you? Check every one of the stage of production, every workshop. If you got a problem with uh, the stripping room where we select the wrapper. You're saying where they strip the, uh, yes. they strip the leaves. You, you know, have to wait until the leaf ha- have, uh, are in the Terminado, which is the classification by color. So in that point, it's really difficult to fix any kind of problem. Mm. So it's better identify the problems on time. This is why we have to check every single day. It's like a farm. There's no free days in a farm. There's no free days in Laguito. Same principle. Every step is important. For example, if we use a tobacco leaf, two leaves from the same plant, from the same level, same cut. One, you put it in the right way so you make the proper fermentation process, and the other one, you just let it dry. You find two two different results by the end of the process. One leaf, it's just a dry leaf, and the other one will provide the whole kind of experience you expect from a tobacco leaf. So it's not just about the quality of the leaf. It's also about respecting the process. Every little detail matter. So, boys, we're coming into, the, I guess, the end of the first third here on the Bihike 54. We're sitting with Daniel Rodriguez. Special treat here in Havana. And this cigar, boys, is awesome. This cigar's awful. this is an excellent cigar absolutely what are you guys getting Uh, for me it's a continued dried fruit but there's it's a it's a richer uh fuller flavor um and the earth and for me barnyard a bit of barnyard which i love for me i like i feel like there's a little bit of a kind of sweet and savory that you get in the cigar that's exactly right 
which I've really enjoyed. Oh. It's, it's, it's complex, yes, yet balanced. But it's so easy to smoke. It's so easy to smoke. I, I can understand why he smokes three or five or ten of these a day. I totally get it. <laughs> yeah, I'd like, to I'd like to eventually know how many cigars you smoke during work. We'll get there. <laughs> a day, five. Five, five a day. A day. Wow. Regular so, day. But day, eight. You know, you could apply for Lizard uh, membership. <laughs> <laughs> and good day, maybe 10. Oh. Really? Wow. Yeah. Are you serious? If you're happy, you'll smoke better. This is true. <laughs> So when you uh, when you're tasting them, when you're smoking five to eight cigars a day, are you taking them all the way down into the the last third to mm. you know to the end That's of the cigar, question. or are you able to sense problems as you were just discussing with the tasting panel? Are you able to sense that in the first third, second third that you don't even need to get down to the end? When we made the the tasting, we usually smoke them until the first third. Mm. In that point, you are already able to identify the whole cigar speech, if if may I use that expression. Sure. Because every cigar is a product which have been handmade. So every cigar is different than the rest, unique in their own way. So the first third will provide much of the information that you need to qualify that cigar. If you have any kind of doubt, you can, of course, still smoke smoking, but in general terms, once you have smoked the first uh, third, already you got all the information that you need. Got it. So let's talk about tobacco procurement. This has always been, I've always been very curious about this, and even when we've spoken in the past. How, where, when, how does the process for you of procuring tobacco for Eligito how does this process happen? Where does it happen? When? How often? Run us through it, because we are so curious about this. First, we got only one uh, farming season for cigars. Some producers make a little later, a little sooner, but usually only one farming season in the year. What month is that? Which, in general, start with in November until March. Some producers are bold and they start to farm in later, so they uh, harvest later too. But in regular terms, those are the months that the, the farming process takes place. And first, producers, of course, put the, the seeds on the, on the land, the plants grow, and they make the first many author, many authorities about cigar identify the dry process as the first fermentation, which I'm personally agree with that. So once the, the leaf are ready, they make a classification. So for that, we got these uh, places in the countryside, Spanish name Escogida, so choosing or selecting, and of course, in this place, they identify the leaf by size and by cut. We were talking before about the different kind of leaf. Bolado, for example, grows at the bottom part of the plant, and we start harvesting from bottom to top. So th that is the uh, first leaf we cut. Okay, Bolado. So after that, Seco, and finally Ligero, and of course, Medio Tiempo, 20 days later, 
but medio tiempo is more a process than a kind of leaf. Because technically speaking, ligero and medio tiempo, both kind of leaf are the crown of the plant. Does every plant produce ligero and probably not medio tiempo? Potentially speaking, yes. Every plant produced ligero because every plant got crown, so top leaf. Medio tiempo, as I was saying before, is more a process. First, we need to understand for make premium Habanos one filler cigars, the leaf have to come necessarily from Vuelta Bajo. That's the origin denomination for premium Habano cigar. Okay, Vuelta Bajo is a tiny region in the west of the island. And Vuelta Bajo got one of the more hostile environments for farming. This is why the plants have to fight for their survival. So the plants grows under a huge amount of stress. Stress. So the first result, the plant is doesn't obtain all the nutrients in it from the soil. So need to develop bigger leaf in order to capt more sunlight. So it can still living. Okay. As a result of the whole metabolic process to transform UV light in metabolic uh, energy, the plants have to develop a lot of metabolic process. So the concentration of nicotine, tar, and carbon monoxide is higher. So difficult terrain, in general terms, provide tasty cigars. So the, the harder the plant has to work, the more stressed they are, the better the tobacco is. In our experience, yes. For example, if we think about wine, some producers are farming higher and higher in the mountains. I'm thinking about Argentina, for example. 2,000 meters high because that kind of uh, place to farm are really hostile. The soil is not good. The oxygen, the saturation of oxygen in the air is lower, so the plants have to fight back. As a result, you got different uh, outcomes for the plant that if you put it in a really easy place to develop as the people. I'm very curious, what, what makes a good, grow, a good tobacco growing season? And I ask this because you mentioned wine. So in wine, in certain regions, a really, really hot summer that year helps produce an incredibly bold wine that they're looking to make. So I'm curious, what kind of conditions make a good or a better tobacco growing season? Maybe this can sound uh, a little crazy, but if you pay attention to the producers in the countryside, hurricanes. The year after a hurricane year is a wonderful year for tobacco farming. So that would be this year then, no? Mm -hmm. And why is that? I think one of the reasons is the rain. Mm. And of course, the amount of uh, organic material that the hurricane left behind. Kill the grass, kill any kind of plant who eventually uh, fall to the ground, uh, leaf even. So those uh, particular elements eventually rotten. So 
goes to the to the land and the result is even better. But the hurricane also destroyed the crop. Yeah. The year of the hurricane is bad. The year <laughs> after is excellent. After is good. So how so how does the tobacco that we're discussing, how does it end up at Elegito in the hands of, of the rollers? How does that process work? Okay. The the producers in the field eventually sell their their crops to a government company who make the fermentation process even. So you got consistency. If every producer make their own way of fermentation, it's really difficult to be consistent about blending cigars because you got a hundred different fermentation process. So this company named uh, La Vega is a government-owned company make the whole process of fermentation even. Once they are ready, they uh, we buy the leaf from them. Is it also true that in Vuelta Abajo, the soil, the pH is very neutral? Like they say in Nicaragua, it's very acidic, so the fermentation process is longer as opposed to Cuban tobacco where the soil is very neutral. Nicaragua and Cuba got a really different soil. Even, for example, the soil in Nicaragua is more fertile. In Nicaragua, you can find volcanoes. So volcanoes launch to the atmosphere tons and tons of elements that are really good for, for soil, but we don't find it here in Cuba. So the chemical composition of the soil is different, so the environment which the plants develop is different too. For example, if we made this experiment, maybe prove, help to prove the point. If you put a Cuban seed, Cuban tobacco seed in Nicaragua, you will find a plant with 18 to 20 leaf. If we put the same seed in Bajo, 14 to 16 leaf. This is because the soil is different. In our case, the soil is less fertile, so the plants cannot grow same rate. To a normal listener, I think they would think that the soil, if it's fertile, you would produce a better plant. It's the opposite. You're saying it's the opposite, that yeah. less fertile the soil, part of the plant has to work, which produces a better product. Mm-hmm. For maybe for produce vegetables or fruits, you need to develop the plant in a fertile soil. The way we consume the tobacco is different. We consume in the leaf. So the concentration of organic components in the leaf, which is the reflect from the environment the plant is growing, okay, is what we are looking for. Same plant in different environments, in different soils, will taste different. Even, for example, in Cuba, we got different farming areas, 17 denominations areas in Cuba. The cigar from the east of the country is quite different than cigar you can find in the west, even in the center. Because they, in that part of the island, we got different kind of soil, different weather. Not too different, but enough to establish a difference about the flavor profile. This is why the cigars 
the plants, sorry, the tobacco we use for coiva necessarily have to come from Vueltabajo, another way around. It's the most hit by hurricanes too, right? Mm -hmm. That region. Make a lot of damage. So when that government company that handles the fermentation, when they feel that the tobacco is ready to be sold to Tabacuba, yes, yeah, so sold to the factory, how does that process work? Do you just get a phone call or? No, we usually go to the, to the storage and select them. Ah. We go with some of our quality control technicians. So they made an inspection for, for the leaf and they decide which leaf are good enough. That, of course, that depends of the kind of cigar we are making in that moment. For example, we cannot buy bigger leaf, big leaf for small cigars. It's pointless. So size, quality, complexion, the proportion, so the different kind of leaf we're gonna buy is established by the cigars we are attending to, to make in that particular point. In regular terms, we, bought, uh, we buy the leaf monthly. Is, the, is it a single facility or are there multiple fermentation facilities? No, we always buy from the, from the same. So, and does every factory purchase from the same facility or does Cohiba have, let's call it a special fermentation facility that they no, buy from? No, same process. Is fermentation that? until this point is the same for every brand. Wow. And do you get, do you get the, the first kind of choice. look over or the first choice of tobacco being that you're with Cohiba and Legito and it's the premium Habanos product? Yeah, but we have to be quick about it because the other guys <laughs> don't of get in there. Want the better leaf. Sure, sure. So, see, this is interesting because we as a, we had always thought that you had a preference or, or um, priority. So it's interesting to hear this. The the easy part is that our factory is one of the smallest factory in the country, so we don't need too much. Ah, got it. It's quality over quantity. Yes, every single day of the year. So. On the fermentation process, obviously we talked about to this point, everything is the same across all tobacco for all brands, all cigars. And then there's an additional process that takes place for all Cohiba cigars or some? All Cohiba cigars. What can you tell us about that process? And or where does, it, where does that process take place? So uh, we make an extra fermentation process. And for that, we use a really important key for, for Coiva production, barrels. In the factory, we use white oak barrels for fermentation, but those barrels got a long trip before fall in our hands. First, they are used in the United States because we are talking about American white oak, use it for bourbon. After that, once you Americans are done with those barrels. We're never done. <laughs> uh, usually those goes to England, particularly uh, Scotland. Scotland, yeah. Yes, where they are used for scotch. Yep. 13, 15 years approximately. And after that, those barrels are by Cuban companies who actually made rum Okay, and we use it around 20 years for rum. 
So, very simple. By the time we receive the barrels, those got already impregnate the spirit, the smell. Over 40 years of time. Approximately That's 40 years. That's incredible. Amazing. It's amazing. So, when you're using those barrels, is where is that happening? For all of the tobacco at Legito, where is that happening? In a small room. It's all done in that small room. All that is done. Is Everything's the, done in that room. Yes. We are How talking, could it be? How can that be? It's no bigger than where we're sitting right now. It's fascinating. Again, quality over quantity. Correct. We have to check, supervise <laughs> constantly the, the level of fermentation. And of course, approximately, we are talking about 20, 21 days. But maybe it doesn't sound like a big deal, but think about it. If you put a cigar besides any contaminant agent as a perfume, for example, the cigar will absorb, will acquire the smell, the taste from the perfume. If you apply some drop of cognac, bourbon in your humidor sponge, eventually your cigar acquires the smell and the taste from it. So we're talking about the same principle. The tobacco plant is highly hydroscopic, so exchange with the environment. So we put it 21 days inside those barrels, dry, of course. Maybe we can make experiment <laughs> with a full barrel. <laughs> so how many of these barrels are there that you use to, for the fermentation process? We got 28 barrels. Okay, wow. 28 barrels. Wow. And how long do you use the particular barrels? How, how often do you change them? Uh, we try to do not change, the, change them because... You keep them for perpetuity. In our experience, between more you use it, you get better results. Mm, got it. So, you know, Eleguito doesn't just make Cohiba. We know that. Mm -hmm. Make Trinidad, a lot of Partagas, a lot of other things there. Does all the tobacco for all of those markers also go through that additional fermentation process, or is that only for Cohiba or Trinidad or both? Every cigar we made at Leguito, regardless of the, the brand, we make this particular fermentation process. Every single leaf of tobacco we we buy for production, we use this particular fermentation process for, for that. That's fascinating. Fascinating. Well, that's why the cigars that come out of Levito always taste better. Always <laughs> taste good. So those Thank box you. codes should be pursued. Yeah, and is they are. To tell me they are. They are. They are. know that. So, boys, <laughs> we're about halfway through here on the Bahike 54 from Danilo's Humidor, very kindly, sitting in Havana, Cuba. This cigar is fantastic. The retro hail is incredible. So I have a question. Do you retrohale your, your cigars yes, as well? How often do you retrohale? Uh, often as I can. So we are talking about maybe every three or five puff. Wow. You're retrohaling. Yeah. And is that critical? In my opinion, it is. But is it critical to you to capture the notes of the cigar? Exactly. Yes. Agreed. It's really helpful and give you the, the deeper notes. Of course. Agreed. The cigar has definitely picked up in strength a little bit also. Mm. Yeah, I agree with I agree with Rooster. As I think I'm about halfway through and it's picked up in strength, but the delivery is still so smooth. And delicious. It's um it's amazing. So you were saying this was aged in your humidor two years. No, no, in my humidor. In Laguito. In Laguito. Ah. I see, I see. And that's the whole Bahike line. Uh, two years? No. No, okay. just no. these cigars just we have in our hands. Yeah. Just those. As so, I said before, personal poison. <laughs> <laughs> so when we're smoking a cigar with Medio Tempo in this, 
right? And and not a lot of us, you know, we haven't smoked a lot of pihikas. What can't afford them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of uh, what kind of specific flavor notes or or sensation should we be picking up from Medio Temple? As you were saying, training your brain. What what is a, a listener who picks up a bihike? What should they be looking for from Medio Temple? What what is the Difference yeah, or, or even how would you know what would be the telltale sign that there is Medio Tempo in a cigar that you're smoking? Okay, that's a really interesting question. First, the experience, the, the sensations, the flavors you feel from a cigar when you're smoking got a lot to do about your personal experience. For example, I I really into hunt. I really appreciate my family's a tradition. So when we are talking about the notes, the flavors we identify from a cigar, your personal experience got a lot to do. Because for example, myself, I I came from a family of hunters, so we hunt. And for me, that first smell you you receive when you start to ignite your cigar, for me it smell like a Freshly uh, shell just shredded is that gunpowder smell. Oh, wow. Oh, but wow. if you don't have that experience, you will compare with your personal experience as well. So everybody got their own specific interpretation the, about the cigars. Okay, but if we are talking about Medio Tiempo and Beike, in my opinion, what we are looking for is a really uh, strong experience about flavor, about complexity, but never an aggressive cigar. So easy to smoke. So we are looking for is that kind of uh, smoky flavor, deep, but at the same time, you don't have to fight against the cigar. Some cigars are designed, are meant to be strong, aggressive. For example, I'm thinking about Partagas. Partagas is one of the, is the most strongest brand we got in Cuba. Okay? And Partagas is intended to be a strong experience from the very first contact with the cigar. Even without ignited, just cut her and get a puff, dry puff, that will give you a little advance, a little uh, information about you are about to, to try once you start to smoke them. Is there more Ligero in the Partagas? Yes, of line? course. The proportion is really high. Hmm. When it comes to production of, let's just specifically talk about Cohiba first. Obviously, you know, when we spoke, I guess it was a year ago, you were talking about the intention of hopefully, hopefully at some point bringing all Cohiba production into Ligito mm -hmm. and not having to use other factories to augment how many cigars you're able to roll at Legito. Obviously, I'm sure demand is making that very difficult. So how does that work if, let's say, you need more Cohiba Robustos than are able to be made at Legito? Are you contracting Corona or other provincial factories to make those cigars? How does that work? No. In this point, we are trying to produce all Cohiba in Legito's facility because you can supervise the quality control in another factories, but you cannot leave anything to, to the chance. And of course, as producers, we got a big responsibility 
to our customers, our aficionado, and we are trying to make every single Coiba in Laguito, no in another factories. So how is it that Iliguito is also pr producing Trinidad and some part of Gisvitola? Yes. And will you phase that out to accommodate and create more capacity for more Cohiba production? Yes, of course. So that eventually will happen? That's happening now. Oh, okay. Interesting. The last, for the, for the last three years, we are trying to make exclusive, exclusively sorry, uh, Cohiba in our facilities. Sometimes, for example, we can uh, get involved in productions for cigars from a different factory, different brand, sorry. For example, if we are talking about the 50th anniversary of Trinidad, which was a really exclusive cigar, really demanding about the quality, the construction of the cigar itself, we make those in Laguito. But this is important. Trinidad brand also burned in Laguito's factory. Trinidad and Coiva, both brands. They were born. Came originally from like. Ah, they were born there. Understood. Yes. But eventually you'll phase out Trinidad. Right now, Trinidad is made in Pinal del Rio. Yep. Ah. So what is the process when you're developing a new release? A new cigar? How does that process work? That's uh, it's a long process. Long process. Yes. At least one year. Wow. First, the customers... Uh, in general terms, Avanos launched the proposal. We want one cigar with these characteristics, long, thick, thinner, whatever. Of course, they make a study about the market. Even if this market is a really particular area, we are talking about regional productions for Middle East, Northern Africa, Asia, Europe, and of course, they make a general request about the characteristics of the cigar. After that, the research of the, insti the institute, research institute of, of tobacco start to develop several prototypes, blendings about the profile, looking for the profile Avanos want to achieve. Okay. For that, we made at least, they made, sorry, at least three uh, different prototypes, sometimes even five. Okay? And that's the point where we, the tasters, start to get involved. We start to try those different prototypes. And of course, we make cuts. This one is better than the other, and we have to be agreed. And so those prototypes are made at a special institute, not at Legito or one of the factories? Yes, we made it in the factories okay. with the requirement, the proportion, the blending. I see. The From research the institute. institute is looking for. If I may ask, who makes the request? Who gives you the, the profile of the cigar for the particular region in Italy or Israel? Where does that come from? Uh, the customer, in that case, getting in touch with Avanos and make the request. Okay. So the regional distributor calls That's the customer. says we want a particular so cigar Fifth with a Avenue in Germany profile. or Hunters and Franco I in see, I the see. United Kingdom or PCC. Exactly. They'll call and say it's our 30th anniversary. We, we want a special cigar. That's fascinating. Yeah. In general, is the trend towards larger ring gauge cigars? 
Yes, right now, yes. The fashion, if if I may use that word, the right now is over wide cigars, a medium to short length. This is because about, in my opinion, the lifestyle also. Every day is more difficult to find proper places to smoke. So the smokers are moving for intense but short time experience. If we think in the, in the 90s, for example, or the 80s, even you can, you can smoke even in planes. You can smoke everywhere. I miss those days, Daniela. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. We need to bring that back. <laughs> you weren't born yet. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> but I can pretend. But I can pretend. So, uh, in that time, the fashion was about thin and long cigars. If we, if we study a little bit the classic Vitolas for 20th century, for example, the regular terms was long and thinner and thinner cigars. If we compare, for example, Robusto was considered a big ring gauge, 50 ring gauge. Today, Robusto is uh, medium to, to nothing. <laughs> if you compare with 60, 58, 62, in the last 20 years, we have seen a pursuit for thick and short cigars instead of the classic Vitolas. Uh, it's about five inches and then 54, 55, exactly. 60. And that's happening worldwide too. That's not just the bonus. That's everywhere. Everywhere. That's yes. everywhere. That's, that's what that's a happening. customer wants. Yeah, it's the trend. I mean, we all like a Lancero. A Lonsdale is probably yeah. our favorite. Sure. Dallas, that's the... Dallas is our favorite. That's uh, the Sigla 5 size, right? Yeah. But for example, uh, the first decade of uh, 20th century, Double Figurado was the tendency. Wow. That's a monstrosity of a cigar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really difficult to make sure. an amazing cigar to smoke. Yeah. The curve of evolution is magic, wonderful. So Bam's favorite is a double Toro. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> it's an imaginary cigar. <laughs> so what? Um, while we're on different uh, sizes of cigars, as we said, some of our favorites are the Dallas, like Lonsdale, you know, uh, obviously the Lancero, the Gita number one. What are some of your favorite cigars? Uh, you, you, you know, call it the brand name. Outside of Cohiba. Outside of Cohiba. Outside of Cohiba, yeah. I have to say, I have to say Bellicoso Fino from mm. Bolivar. Great Beautiful cigar. cigar. Great cigar. Most of us like that cigar. Love that cigar. Not all most of, us, of us, but most of us. <laughs> Correct, Saturday. I've turned my, I've, I've turned the page. <laughs> He's turned the page. I've turned the page. Uh, double Figurado, I have to say Distinguido. From Cuava. Ah, uh, yes. We reviewed that. We did that cigar. That, that performed very well. It did. That was a revelation. We had not had much of Cuava, or I had not at least, but we really enjoyed that cigar. Yeah. It's different. It's unusual. Cuava is a brand who was intended to be for originally for the British market. The entire market. Was intended for the British market mm. at the beginning. Eventually, was accepted and in... Two years after the, the launching, all Europe was smoking. So, any other cigars that you love while we're on the topic? Mm, maybe you find this a little crazy. First cigar in the morning, 
Monte Carlo from Porla Rañaga. Oh, yes. Porla Rañaga, Monte Carlo. Very small and thin. We actually, we actually course. have that coming up on the podcast. I've never had in, that. In the next few weeks. Do you have a 33 ring gauge? I think 40 ring gauge. Really? Yes. Have you had the Petit Corona from a... Petit Corona, of course. Yeah, it's excellent. Yeah. Great cigar. But Love that cigar. In that case, I have to say Siglo II. Aha. Ah, yes. Of course. What I was going to ask, aside from Bihike, what are the what are your favorite cigars that you roll at uh, Legita? Scale first, Bihike Fifty Four, guilty of charges. <laughs> uh, after that, I have to say, Splendidos. Mm. I agree with you on that. And Siglo Five. And that's that's our favorite. You, we do love that cigar. Siglo Five. You know what we found? We find too, um, especially with the Sigla 5, a lot of the cigars, and we've been talking about this a lot on the podcast, is the cigars have been smoking better young recently. Like, I feel like in past years, cigars have needed more time to come into a really, really delicious flavor profile. But recently, the last, maybe since 2018, 2019, it seems like Cuban cigars are smoking better young across, and fresh. Across multiple markets. Across everything, almost. I think all is about uh, quality control, how demanding you can be during the producing, uh, production process. Sure. For example, uh, in the last year, we have experimented a crazy height of prices. So I think you cannot negotiate with, if you are asking for more expensive, uh, if you are making more expensive cigar, it's only logical, your quality only goes up. So in my opinion, that's the result of a quality control, not just in the factory, also in the fields. Understood. I wanted to ask, how do you make production allocation decisions? And what I mean by that is, for example, there are some cigars that even regular production cigars, we'll see come up for sale once a year. And the box codes are very, very closely together. You know, we'll find box codes from March and April only. And then again the next year. The Partagas 898, I don't think we've seen that cigar in quite some time. So I'm curious about how are the production allocation decisions made in the factory? Two reasons for that. First, of course, the demand of Habanos is important. And second, the time of the year. I was uh, explaining before, we only make one uh, crops a year. So once you start the, for example, the best month for for wrapper, which is one of the things who limit us more, the quality of the wrapper, we are more comfortable with the quality of the wrapper in the month of August, September, October, because those are the freshest wrapper we got from the previous year uh, farming season. By the time you start to uh, consume that wrapper, the remaining wrappers doesn't have the same quality or the same size. So. The quality of the wrapper describes a curve down. So we have to make a rush in order to produce the most demanding wrapper cigars in those months. 
This is why some productions you only find in one specific time of the year. Are those considered drier seasons or, or more wet seasons? We are getting closer to the to the winter season, so relatively dry. Okay. Remember, we are talking about crazy Cuban weather. Correct. Yeah. Is the wrapper also grown under shade? Exclusive grows under shade. We use the, the cloth over the, the farms for two reasons. First, protect from the environment to the plant. And second, limitate the amount of sunlight that the plant receives. And of course, the plant is not receiving all the sunlight that's supposed to, to be obtaining. So, grows bigger leaf. So, bigger wrapper. When we see in a factory, a wrapper maybe 16 inch long, that's a dry wrapper. When this particular leaf was green, maybe has 20 inch length. Wow. It's, it's a, a massive lot, drop. It's a lot of water in it, I guess. That yes. Reduces as Fermentation is not so different than it's a control decomposition process. And you have to be really careful about the amount of humidity, the temperature, the mechanic damage, which also affects the leaf. Even one drop of water can create a steam in, in your wrapper, and that ruins that particular leaf. So every detail is important. Are the leaves rotated in the, in the barrel? Do you just seal the barrel and leave it be? Uh, Are they adjusted during the process? Yes, we adjust us. Every day. Really? Every day? Every day. This is why our blender master got the responsibility to check, uh, supervise the fermentation process. Amazing. That's something we did not know. Yeah. So I have a question for you, just uh, back to production. And, and so we, you mentioned the Esplendido. So what is the difference between the Esplendido and the Esplendido Grand Reserva that's coming out? Is there a difference in blend? Is it just the age of the tobacco? Is it better tobacco that's been aged longer? What changes between? It's a really good question. First, if we change the blending, technically it's not splendid it's not, anymore. It's not the cigar. And of course, the aging is the key. This is why, for example, when we are talking about one year aging, we are talking about regular production. Three years aging, is for Maduro line. In this case, when we are talking about Maduro, we also age in the wrapper. Dark wrapper is just a secondary outcomes, okay? Because Maduro is not about the wrapper, it's about the filler. The filler has to spend three years of fermentation too. Many customers, many aficionados, as soon as they see a dark wrapper, they say, okay, Maduro, not necessarily. Dark wrapper doesn't mean Maduro. And of course, over three to five, we are talking about Reserva. Five to seven, Gran Reserva. Got it. So the, the leaf they are being using for made the Gran Reserva for Splendido, they have at least seven year fermentation. Those are crazy expensive leaves oh, yeah. and really difficult to get. 
So we have to be really respectful about the process for this particular cigar. So a question on Maduro. You mentioned earlier that specifically for Cohiba, the, the ethos of Cohiba is to create really smooth cigars that don't have a, a punch or a bite, whatever word we want to use. How difficult was it for Cohiba to achieve that with the Maduro line? With the Maduro? Pretty simple. The aging is the longer way, but is a really comfortable way to rid of the aggressive flavor. So if we compare a regular Splendido with a Gran Reserva, for example, we will appreciate same strength, but different level of complexity. A little richer. Yes. Interesting. So boys, we're into the last third here on the Bihike 54. I am enjoying every single puff of this cigar. It could just be because we're sitting here with you, Danilo, but I do think this is a pretty damn good cigar. So can I stay tonight? <laughs> I don't, I don't want to leave. Okay? Please feel welcome. <laughs> you guys can go. So I think the final third just really picks up in richness and flavor. I was talking about how early for me it was very kind of a balance between sweet and savory. Now it's just very savory to me, the flavor that I get out of this cigar. But still extraordinarily smooth. It is. And the retrohale continues to be delicious. And the aroma. Yeah. I just keep going back Usually it's difficult to retrohale a cigar that's this deep. How do you, like there's certain cigars, the flavor changes from the beginning to the middle and then to the end. But certain cigars, they're kind of stay throughout the same. How does that come about? Tar. Tar? <laughs> yes. The blending, every kind of leaf, got a different concentration of tar and nicotine. So the blending, uh, in theory, supposed to, if you got a richer blender, a richer blending, sorry, a more strong uh, blending, you got a higher concentration of tar in your cigar and nicotine. Okay, relatively higher. Even if you consider that a big cigar got less nicotine than a regular cigarette. During production, okay, this is a little technical. The leaf got their own uh, organic component distributed all over the leaf, okay? Because it's the way the circulatory system of the plant works. So once the leaf start to dry, start to shrink, okay, and those organic components travel to the leaf surface, to the secondary veins, and from the secondary to the central one. Eventually, we remove the central one. So we remove approximately between 80 to 85% of the nicotine and tar. This is why I was telling you before, relatively higher if you compare a ligero leaf with a bolado, for example. So, once your cigar starts to combustion, the tar is moved back to the cigar, away from the heat, and eventually dissolves with saliva. Also, the nicotine. This will provide the sensation of increasing flavor. Wow. That's the curve. Does the speed of smoking the cigar affect the, not just performance, but the flavor profile, in your opinion? Yes, of course. If you over smoke too, too fast, you will have a different experience. Right. 
We've discussed that many times. Yeah. Yeah. If we are driving a car and you make the the gear shift too fast, you got a different experience when you are driving. So timing is important. Take your time. Yes. Let it evolve. What is the most aged cigar that you have had? Uh doesn't have to be Cohiba, just in general. Just curious. Bausa, 1958. Wow. What? Bausa. Tasteless. Yeah. Tasteless. I had in, before smoking, I had these back and, and forth because I don't want to, I don't, I don't was really sure about if I want to smoke a collectible item. But eventually I say, okay, everybody's going to die. At least make it fun. <laughs> so I will die with the experience. And I rather smoke them in order to learn. And even the cigar was storage in a really good condition, proper level of humidity, temperature. But after 60 years, 60, 66 years approximately, uh, by the end of the day, we are talking about organic material. So decompose, yeah. it's going to exactly. lose flavor. It's going to oxidize. So I, I've had <laughs> a number of cigars that I'm blown away by, especially boxes from 2014 and 2015. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why, like those cigars just smoke phenomenal. Yeah, that window of time is is good. It's really good. In my experience, I have to say, and this is a personal uh, opinion, of course, between three and five years, in my opinion, that's the perfect window for a smoke, uh, a good cigar. Three, a five, three to five years after being made. That's the sweet spot, of course, my opinion. Some people rather vintage cigar, 20, 50, uh, 15 years old, okay. But the curve of aging got a lot to do with the blending. The strong cigars, we are talking about Bolivar, Partagas, uh, San Luis Rey, Ramon Ayones, for example. Those particular brands, we got a lot of Lijero in it. The, the more complex leaf start to lose properties first. So the curve of aging is shorter if we are talking about a stronger cigar, for example, uh, Oil Monterrey or H. Upman, if you storage for 20 years, the profile doesn't change a lot. And the cigar get more mild and perfect. Those cigars age just well. But if we are talking about Partagas, for example, that window is Shorter. Shorter. Amazing. That's eye-opening. Yeah. In particular for our collections that we have at home. Compare, for example, uh, a guy who, a swimmer, for example, with a bodybuilder, those guys age different because they got different style of life, different style of training. Bodybuilder age faster because all the stress the physical stress 
you know, the, the training before a competition. The swimmer is more natural exercise, so it's closer that mm, the way who a human body is supposed to. quicker. Yes. So am I to understand that a cigar that has more ligero should be smoked sooner than later? Yes. In right. my opinion, yes. And um, yes. perfectly in that three to five year window is what you're saying, mm -hmm. ideally. So we have all had a San Luis Ray from 2007, and it was delicious. It's a delicious yeah. smoke. But if you compare with the profile of a strength that San Luis Ray is supposed to have, maybe you are closer than Romeo and Juliet profile of strength than San Luis because after of time. 20 years. Right. Interesting. Even a, a Bolivar Bellicoso Fino from 2011, somebody sent me five cigars and it smoked amazing. Amazing. This is interesting for us because I feel like a lot of conventional wisdom is that the stronger the cigar, the longer aging potential it may have. But what you're saying, it's kind of the opposite, that the stronger the cigar, you actually may want to enjoy earlier in that three to five year range. In, the in my experience, if you are looking for what these strong profile brands supposed to bring you, if we are talking about uh, contendent uh, experience, so we are talking about deep strength uh, cigar is better sooner than later. Wow. Very wow. helpful. Very so helpful. he's saying that, you know, <laughs> the intention of the blend, we might enjoy a cigar that's 15 years old, yeah. but the intention of the blend is not what that flavor profile right. it's, is it's giving It's mellowed you. out so much that it's lost the strength it was intended to deliver. Right. There could be a strategy where you want to have a milder Ramon Alone, especially select as an example. Yes. You hold that for beyond that three to five year window yes. and you'll experience that. Wow. It's fascinating. Great advice. Great advice. Thank you. Yeah. So you were talking before, you mentioned how a, a spot of water can affect a leaf. Yes. And when we met earlier in 2023 or late 22, whenever we did, we were talking a lot about authenticity and the counterfeiting that certainly Cohiba is the most counterfeited brand in the world. The experience that uh, we have as consumers trying to find authentic products from reputable retailers. And even all of the lines have been blurred over the last few years, especially with the price increases, as you mentioned. So I'm curious, certainly number one, what are some measures of authenticity that you can help give a listener to know when they're smoking a real Cohiba Bihike 54 versus a fake one? There are several uh, clues I'm looking for when I want to identify a real one from a fake, if you're talking about cigars. First, the source is important. If you buy a cigar in any Casa de la Habana, you can be sure you're buying the real deal. If you are buying cigar from a friend of a cousin of an uncle, uh, yeah, good luck with that. Or on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> in Cancun. Please hold up thought. I have a, a funny story about it. <laughs> For authentical customer. We received uh, some years ago some customer from Spain who was complaining about the cigar, the taste of the cigar they were receiving from Havana was wrong. So the guy suspect they were receiving fake cigars. Of course, 
Vanos create this whole uh, investigation process in order to identify the problem. And the problem was really simple. The guy was selling those cigars in the shoreline. Basically, the guy had employees who walked to the, to the sand, to the shoreline, to the hotel, and opened the humidor and sell cigars to the customer, offer cigars to the customers. The, the license for, for selling cigars was right, everything was good, but the problem is those cigars was, was all day long in touch with the salt air from the sea. Wow. So eventually changed. So they were legitimate, but... Yeah, the environment were, affected it. Yeah, yeah, they were messed up. You don't, the twang. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't take care of your cigars, your cigars simply don't take care of you. So what other measures of authenticity are, are available to a customer aside from source? Obviously, that's source, number one. Source, of course, is important. Uh, also, please pay attention to the cigar. Uh, bands are easily falsified, no matter how many security measures you, you take. Eventually, the, the guys who want to fake, who live from fake, from sell fake cigars, will overcome. And the boxes, same. So what we are talking about is pay attention to the cigar. There's several clues. For example, when you hold a Cuban cigar, you need to pay attention to the wrapper. Cuban wrapper is not perfect. As when you go to, to the market, for example, and buy organic fruit or vegetables, those are not perfect. So those tiny imperfections uh, prove that your leaf, your wrapper leaf, has been fermented in the traditional way. If you find a perfect wrapper, no vein, no steam, perfect color, usually means non-Cuban. Also, for example, when we made the selection, the selection for boxing the cigar, we made it by color. Doesn't matter who roller made it. So we need to pay attention to the cap of the cigar because non-roller made the cap exactly the same. It's like the signature. It's, Even, like, a, it's like a fingerprint. Yes. If so you want to see differences in the cap? Yes. In the box? If you work enough with the same rollers, Eventually, you can identify the roller just for looking at the cap. That's amazing. That's cool. Wow. So, when we put it in the box, we put it by color. Same color, different caps. That's what we are looking for. Okay? Because that proof, those cigars have been made by different people and have been selected by color. If you buy a box and all the heads looks alike, like if were made by a machine or the same guy, probably you're buying fake. My, my favorite counterfeit measure, we spent some time with you at Legito and you had a bahique and you said the final telltale sign, if you really want to know, you pulled out a knife, <laughs> cut the bahique open. I think my heart stopped when you did it. There was a lot of pain that day, didn't you? <laughs> it takes courage to do that. And that was yeah. tremendous courage. <laughs> He, he can afford to do that. <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> that was painful for, for everyone in the room, believe me. But it's important because that's the way you can see how a good cigar is supposed to be inside. 
whole leaf, different color, different texture. That means those cigars have been blended. Shredded leaf, mm, we are talking about fake cigars. Same kind of leaf, fake cigar. Uh, the touch, the consistency of the cigar is important too. You're saying as you feel it up and down the cigar? Yes, but for that, maybe you have, you need to be in touch with regular production, but if you, you know how a factory-made cigar is supposed to feel in your hand. Too much leaf, the cigar, the weight is uh, bigger, so you know you got a problem with that particular cigar. And of course, empty cigars means fake. So you, you mentioned the bands, is it, you know, obviously that has been a big tell for a long time, um, namely with the UV light. So what we've heard over the last year is that Habanos has been phasing out ultraviolet technology in the bands and, yes. on, and on the boxes. Um, do you know why that is? And then after that, are they going to be introducing any new anti-counterfeiting technology? Yes. The next step will be ship the boxes. Uh, with the... Uh, yes. With the, like there's an app. Right and they've now, done that on some Cohiba, correct? Yes. We made that as a pilot test for the year of the rabbit. Ah. Got it. For the year of the rabbit. And of course, the result until now have been good because you can identify right away, but the ship is in the box, not in the cigar. The other question I have for you, we talked about this a year ago, and when we did the episode kind of recapping our conversation, we talked about the Novadosos, mm -hmm. which were flooding the market counterfeit for quite some time prior to even being produced at, at Legito. We're seeing now that there's more Novadosos seemingly from authentic sources. Yes. So has have you been rolling Novadosos? Yes, of course. So there's a lot more coming out now. We spent the last uh, four months, the last year, rolling Novadosos. Ah, wow. So listener can sleep tight knowing that if they bought a box of Novadosos from an authentic, you know, yes. uh, Habanos distributor, then... It's a, it's a real box. What's the size of it? 50 ring gauge by, um, I don't remember the length. We're testing you tonight, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of the, uh, the biggest challenges that you face at Legito on a day-to-day -day basis or, you know, production in general? Wrapper. 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 Not it's enough wrapper. Constant worry. We had enough, but the quality is important. And we got a saying in Laguito, it's better make 10 perfect cigars instead than 100 good cigars. And is that very specific to Cohiba? Because the wrapper on a Cohiba, I mean, it's pristine. You, you kind of notice a difference in those wrappers than you would any of really the other markets where there is more variation, it seems. Yes. For example, in Cuba, we use a traditional way in order to dry and ferment the leaf. We don't use any industrial process for that. So, by the end of the process, we got 64 different color. 64. So, every brand got their own specific range for those 64 colors. 
for example, if we are talking about Coiva or Trinidad, we are talking about the 10 lightest color. I see. Monte Cristo, for example, can be a little darker. Partagas, even darker. Punch or Iones, even more. And of course, some brands allow some little defects, but those are not compatible with Coiva. Not Coiva standard. Yes. I've always been so confused, Partagas in particular, and I, I do love Partagas, but the, the D4, for instance, the variation in the wrapper colors, some can be so light, some can be so dark. It's a huge range. D4 admitted that kind of grading. Coiva doesn't, doesn't admit, it, admit it so. Right. Don't get him started on D4s. <laughs> we'll be here all night. <laughs> okay, it's a beautiful cigar. It is. So do you have challenge acquiring new talent uh, to roll cigars? It's not difficult to find uh, people who, who want to learn how to roll. But not every person got the skills, the discipline that you need for, for rolling handmade cigars. And not every roller are skilled enough to make Coiva. So constantly we are uh, looking for trainees for, for roller. The whole process takes nine months. And we are talking maybe three for every 10 guys finish the training. Another high failure rate. Yeah. 70% yes. don't make it through the training. Yes. Wow. This doesn't mean the, guy, the guys are not good enough to be rollers, but not good enough to be Coiba. So they could be assigned to La Corona or another factory? We usually, when we have to let go some of the young trainees, if they prove they're worthy during the course, we make this recommendation letter for a different factory. Oh, that's great. Got it. That's good to hear. Yeah. Yes, because they'll still... They can still thrive, yes. but just not at yes. the level of Cohiba. Even some guys graduate. I got this experience with, uh, with a really young guy who worked to the factory and after three months simply wasn't good enough. And we have to talk to him and explain him why he cannot continue with the training. But uh, we made the recommendation letter for Partagas. The guy go to Partagas, graduated, start to roll in Partagas. Um, by the time he feel confident enough and acquired the level of skill, return to the factory. Right now, he's working with us. Really That's amazing! Wow. Yeah, that's wow. amazing. That's incredible. So it's just diligence and, like you said, discipline. Yes. And if you are working in, for example, automobile industry, you want to work with Mercedes or Ferrari or Rolls Royce, for example. If you are into tobacco's business, into tobacco's production, you want to work for Coiva. So it's a matter of proud too. And you guys have been in the factory before, you can, you can tell. The people who work over there simply feel proud to be part of Coiva. And you we can, can see that as well when we're there. Yes, you can, you can breathe out. Yeah, yeah you can feel it. Yeah. Oh, sure. Sure. And like you said, it's a smaller facility than a lot of the others. Corona is like a, that's like a machine. That's a factory. 
Yeah. Legito feels more of like a it's like a family, a tight knit unit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? Smaller groups. Yeah. In single rooms. Yeah. We know each other by names. We know each other by the problems we got at home. Uh, it's really close the work, and this is important when you have to work with and for people. You need to understand. You need to be part of the group. Being worried about their concerns, be part of the of the problem and the solution. In their personal lives, also. Really? Yes. Wow, it's amazing. Yes. And you become a better roller if your your family life is more more content and secured. Sure. Even you can tell if one roller got problems problems at home just by looking at the the quality rate. If you got a problem with your wife, for example, your quality goes down. We never have that issue. No. no. Happy That's wife, happy life, great cigars. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you never tell your rollers to keep your problems at home like we do? <laughs> it's impossible. It's impossible because if you are doing anything, anything with your hands, you put your heart and soul in that what you are making. So stressful, stressful rollers make mediocre cigars. Mm. Happy Rollers made amazing cigars, simply as that. And you know who also told us that? Osmar. Osmar. At uh, La Corona. Osmar is uh, a really, a really uh, estimated and respected person by me. Osmar uh, pretty much teach me everything I know wow. about cigars and give me the opportunity to start work as a producer, so I have a lot to think of him, uh, thank to him, and for me have been uh, a teacher and a friend. And we love him. Yeah, Osmar's great. Yeah. Do you still apply your law degree where you work in uh, some aspect? Yes, and the military formation too. Really? Give you tools. For example, we were talking about, uh, again, about most of my subordinates, the people who work under me, are all enough to be my parents. So you have to earn that respect. And how to speak with them. Yes. Yeah. You have to be both hammer and pillow at the same time. And nothing teaches you faster that particular thing than the military life. If you are a squad leader or platoon leader, you have to be the best and the worst man at the same time. If you use that tools to create a team, if you are talking about work, believe me, you get the very results. I could use your help back in the States <laughs> with a few companies. Do you, uh, do you teach leadership classes? I'm still a student. <laughs> As we all are. And I think that's what makes, you know, we've talked about it. Even when we discussed uh, meeting you at the first time, I think that forged this friendship that we have, not only just with our lizard friends in the States, but meeting you and how quickly we became friends. I, it comes down to the, the curiosity and wanting to share information and being students of, of this thing that we love, you know? And every time we see you, meet you 
we learned something new. It's true. Tonight we learned a few things I mean, that we didn't it's know. It's incredible to hear you talk about spending four years in this business. I, I think the first time we met you, we left and said, I mean, I've been smoking for 15 years. In that first meeting, I learned more from you than I have in 15 years of smoking cigars. So it's just incredible to the testament of the student that you've been. And we're now students that are you know, able to learn this knowledge and share this with others from you. You know, I think we're eternally grateful. It's really been incredible. Thank you, guys. We are your students. Yes. Uh, I think it works in, in both directions. Mm. I learned a lot, too, from, from you guys. And also, my grandfather used to say, in life, you have to find whatever you love to do. And once you find it, try to be paid for doing it. Whatever you do, put your heart and soul in order to be the best and be happy. Excellent advice. Yeah, those are wise words. Uh, and that man was the responsible for my first cigars too. Really? Yeah. So you smoked with him? Yeah, but I was uh, a little child. I would love to know. <laughs> I, was gonna, I was gonna ask actually, uh, how old were you when you had your first cigar? Uh, what was your first cigar if you remember it? <laughs> It was the Bowser. The Bowser. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if that's legal. <laughs> hey, Senator, he did the same thing too. He okay. Uh, was like uh, I was like six years old. Oh, wow! What <laughs> amazing! My grandfather and I we were watching a baseball play. It was Abana's team Industriales playing against Santiago. It's like you can call in US in United States, uh, New York versus Boston. Mm. Right. So Yankees or Mets? Big uh -huh. rivalry. <laughs> Which one? Uh, Yankees, I think. Ah, Yankees suck. <laughs> <laughs> but Havana's team, Industrialis, was winning after uh, a long, long and difficult game. So my grandfather was so happy, so happy that the guy gave me a puff from his cigar. <laughs> <laughs> Do you nice. remember what cigar this was? It was a Robusto. Okay. Wow. Awesome. Epicure number two. Oh, wow. Oil. Wow. We yeah, heard Epicure. similar stories in 1910 when he started smoking <laughs> Brewster. Brewster's been smoking for a long time. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. So, boys, we're coming to the end of the Bahike 54 from Cohiba. Yes. What? May, I, may I have another? <laughs> <laughs> Correct. What an amazing cigar. What an amazing night. Yeah. Some are coming to the end. Some already uh, are burning this, their fingers. Yeah. So Rooster smokes slowly. He, yeah, I am notorious for smoking a little too fast, but this is this was extremely delicious. Yeah. Cigar. Wonderful cigar. I take cigar. my time with everything. Yeah. Correct. Wonderful cigar. So before we wrap up, um, I, I wanted to ask, what are what are the next three to five years of Cohiba look like? What what's in What's coming? Interesting question. I think future is bright for, for Coiva and for all cigar world. If you think about it, maybe 30 years ago, cigar was for old people. And for example, wine was for all classy people. Right now, every day you got uh, more young people, enthusiast, aficionado people who want to learn, who want to try. And even if uh, 
the spots, the places for smoke, the opportunities for smoke every day are hotter, you can appreciate more people and young people mostly got interest in cigar. And mostly, uh, doesn't matter if they start Dominicans, Honduras, Nicaraguan cigars, eventually everybody wants to try Cubans. And I think that's good. Our only responsibility, our only real challenge is try to be at the height of those expectations. Try to provide memorable cigars. That's the main goal. You know, we've discussed this many times and there's the thought that the Cuban cigar is a more refined cigar than the New World cigars, like you mentioned earlier. I, I think... Would you recommend a, a starter or a new cigar smoker to begin with a Cuban or a New World cigar, like a Padron or a Davidoff or other New Worlds? I think it's the same if you recommend some kind of music for starts. Everybody got their own preference. Mm -hmm. I cannot say the New World cigars are better or worse than Cuban. They're simply different. They are. The customers got more options. So I think even if we are uh, competing for the same market, the most important winner is the customer because got more choices. Dominican cigars are really good. Nicaraguan cigars are really good in their own way. Cuban cigars got their own strengths and weakness. So every producer got their own potential in order to develop a different cigar, a richest cigar. Well, as far as quality goes and performance and experience, you have given us a great experience tonight. Thank you. Cigar was amazing. Pleasure. And certainly to sit with you and to discuss these things and to, for us, most importantly, be able to share this with the world, this important information that is not widely available, um, that's really important to us. So we are very, very grateful for, for everything tonight and your time. Thank you, guys. What can I say? For me, it's uh, a wonderful opportunity. Share a little bit what we are doing over there in Laguito. And also, I think it's a big opportunity in order to meet new people because cigar is not just about smoking. It's about companies, about share. It's the whole culture around cigars. This thing of ours. Yes. Most of my best memories are around cigars. Even same, with family same here. at home. Yes. Agreed. Yes. Same for here. Us. You're echoing everything we've been talking about for years now. For all of us. And we always talk about it on the podcast. I mean, I met someone years ago who described cigars as the great equalizer. Yeah. It doesn't matter what walk of life you're from, what you do, how much money you have. None of that matters. When you have a shared appreciation for this, I mean, without this, we would never have met, right? If we yes. were not cigar smokers. We, we would not have met each other. We wouldn't have met each other. And it, it's every one of us has an entirely different career path. And it's just this community that it creates globally, that we're here in Havana. Having this conversation with you is just incredible. Thank you, guys. Same. It's, it's the highlight of our trip. Absolutely. Say that. Absolutely. And hopefully, is, hopefully the first of many. Yes. yes, I was just going to say this is part one. Part yeah. one. <laughs> many more, okay. many well, more to come. I'm not leaving. <laughs> I'm staying. We'll just keep it rolling. <laughs>
Well, Danilo, thank you again, sincerely. This was fantastic. Cigar was amazing. Has been a pleasure, guys, and thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. All right, and we'll see everybody next week. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for joining us. You can find our merch store and ratings archive at our brand new website, loungelizardspod.com. That's loungelizardspod.com. Don't forget to leave us a rating and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you have any comments, questions, if you want to reach out, say hello, tell us what you're smoking, email us, hello at loungelizardspod.com. You can also find us on Instagram at loungelizardspod. We really appreciate your time and we'll, uh, we'll see you next week.